Welcome back to the Country Intelligence Report, where your host, Laura Hofer, Devin Forzak, and Terrell Cummings. Today, our topic is navigating the challenges of managing a small business in the federal market. Terrell, we'll start the first question with you. What are some of the unique small business challenges faced when competing for federal government contracts, and how do these challenges differ from those faced in the commercial market? Um, I would say initially, you know, especially when small businesses are trying to get into the get into uh, federal government contracts and whatnot, I'll say maybe potentially them not having appropriate security clearance as a company to actually win the contract is probably just something they don't really necessarily think about having to have, but sometimes that might be part of it. Um, another thing I would say is maybe not knowing that they need to be registered on the SAM on SAM.gov to even be eligible to win federal government contracts uh, out there. Um, that's probably something that they wouldn't know that that's someplace they should go to see kind of the processes and the steps that you need to have put in place to uh, even go after uh, various bids, let them, let them have a place to where they can view those bids um, or potentially even not even having the resources to um, view those different RP opportunities. Um, maybe they don't have it or even they wanted to have it. Some of those resources, they, you know, they cost money, their subscriptions for them and everything. And maybe that's not in their initial budget. So it might be some, some opportunities that they may miss just because they don't know that it's out there or they may see the opportunities out there. And it might just be too late. And then have enough time to actually write a proposal to put it together or whatnot there. So, I mean, those are just some of the problems or some, I won't say some problems, but just some of the things that they have to think about uh, whenever they are thinking about going after, um, federal government contracts. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And speaking about resources and, you know, making sure that your company has not only the right time uh, to look at opportunities, but also the right tools and knowledge to actually understand what they're looking at. You know, I, I think that something that country Intel has gotten really good at, over the last year or so is shorting that time regarding our process when we look at new business opportunities. So, I mean, right now we're pretty good at, you know, reading through a source of SOD or RFI or RFP and figuring out if it's the right fit for us. Um, we also have a system, of course, that, you know, a- analytically tells us whether or not we should actually apply for that opportunity. So I think it's really important for a small business to, you know, not only have the knowledge to look at something and figure out if it's a good fit or not, but figuring out a way to standardize that so it doesn't take so much time figuring out if it's a good fit or not. Yeah, no, most definitely. Definitely agree with that. You know, the process is trying to figure out if, if um, you know, if it's a good opportunity or not. And if, you know, you should put the manpower and the time Towards responding to that to that particular RFP because you know that takes time away from other projects you're doing you know and time is money as far as that literally time is money because you know you're taking away from one opportunity to try to go after another one that you might get and you might not you know and hopefully you've assessed it well enough to know the you know your percentage of winning a particular contract and if you're a newer business that's hard to do it's hard to judge you know how well you can do as far as that so uh, those are some of the tough things and even if they do view even if they do view the RFPs and they you know understand what's within the RFPs you know having the I guess the background and the ability to respond to those RFPs to where it's going to make sense and they answer all the questions that need to be answered in whatever format they need to be answered in that is the tough part because 
you know, writing those contracts or writing those responses, you know, that that's, that's not for everybody <laughs> to do. So, I mean, I know even me personally, it's, it's not something that I, I would say I'm great at. I mean, I can do it, but I definitely think that you have to have certain kind of writing, a certain writing style uh, and just kind of get used to that writing style to be able to respond to those different um, RFPs for sure. Yeah. That, uh, that writing style, you know, is important for, not only how you respond to things, but judging the government on how they write to their opportunities is important as well. Because when you're looking at things that are published by the government regarding these business opportunities, you sort of start to tell that there's a certain language they use when the opportunity is straightforward and it's more of an open competition versus when you know, the contracting office that's in charge of it might have someone, you know, that they have in mind for the opportunity. So being able to (laughs) decipher, you know, if it's a straight up opportunity that is open and, you know, you're on the even playing field as everyone else versus when it might be a little bit tilted towards another company is something to consider as well. Right, right, and that, that's a hard thing to do as well because you know finding finding who the incumbent was or is, um, it's not always just out there, you know. So it's like you know, is it something where the incumbent was out there? Was the client, you know, were they satisfied with the job that the the, the incumbent did, or they're just going through the process of putting this out there for because they have to, and it's just going to be kind of just you know, checking off the boxes to give the incumbent the, the position back or give them the, the work again. So it's hard to judge that. It's too hard to see. I know sometimes by the way it's written, you can tell, you know, whether or not um, you can tell whether or not it's, it's, it's meant for someone else or not. But, you know, that's, that's hard to do at first for sure. Thank you both for such insightful answers. I definitely love that you both touched on resources and opportunities, um, especially the resources topic, because I know that can be a struggle for small businesses. And I think it's important to truly understand all the challenges that these small businesses can face in the contract world. And now that we've addressed some of these challenges, I think it's important and necessary to discuss how these small businesses can overcome these challenges. Devin, I'd love to start the next question with you. What strategies can small businesses use to overcome the barriers to entry and win federal government contracts? And what role can government agencies play in facilitating this process? Yeah, I alluded to this, um, you know, in our last segment here regarding the language that is used in the source of SOD or RFIs or RFPs. You know, I, I think it's important again to even if you're not applying for you know, one of these opportunities to at least read through and follow the process to which these are released. Um, and, you know, obviously there's an order, you know, typically a source of side or RFI comes out and then a couple months later, the RFP comes out. And if you follow on that process and you do that a couple of times, Again, you, you'll start to become familiar with the process and the timeline that these things take and then the language that's actually used in them, which is, you know, in my mind, very important. Um, and to speak on that a little bit more regarding the language, 
you know, the mention of, for example, like a specific software application that might be used for that RFI or RFP, that's probably a red flag that, you know, the, the government has someone in mind already for that opportunity. Or if there's, you know, some sort of specific process uh, that they mention for the opportunity, you know, they probably have someone in mind that is already doing that for them. So there's definitely a couple of things to be aware of and becoming familiar with the language that is used in these opportunities, I think is still very key. No, most, most definitely, I, you know, definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with, you know, going through and kind of reading through the source of thought and responding to the source of thought. Cause if anything, it's going to give, you know, it's going to give the potential client, it's going to let them know that there's going to be, you know, interest out there from, um, from various businesses on this opportunity. And if they see that you're a small business, maybe it's something they're, they're like, okay, we have to kind of check this box or we have to have a certain amount of like small business or like a small, you know, dollars go towards small businesses. Maybe we'll make it to where it's going to be, um, it's classified as small business only as far as doing that. And that's something that's going to help those small businesses um, give them a better chance, better opportunity to win the contracts versus always going against the the large companies that um, you know kind of dominate the field as far as that. So it's going to give the smaller companies opportunities to actually um, you know win bids, bids or whatnot, or it's going to give them an opportunity to uh, become a teaming partner. Which is one thing I was going to mention as a strategy is to uh, become and try to find another company maybe that has maybe a little more experience, a little more experience actually. Uh, responding to different federal government bids or contracts and have them be the prime on the contract and then your company be the subcontractor on it. And then you can utilize both past performances and it may be your small business status to um, to try to win the bid and, and, and um, win the contract. So that's just one way that a small business kind of get their foot in the door as far as the federal government contracting, such that they haven't, um, haven't done it before, don't have that experience. Um, and actually responding, well, I guess, re- I guess responding to proposals as far as doing that. So uh, that's something that they can do. Um, another thing they can do is, you know, if it's a minority owned business or economic disadvantaged business, you know, they can go through the 8A program, which is them for those dis- economic disadvantaged businesses. They can go through and kind of have a, a mentor a company or a mentor, like head of a company, kind of walk them through the process on how to win bids. Um, for government contracting, and then they're usually only going against 8A companies. So once again, that helps, um, I guess, increase the odds of them winning uh, winning business. I think you, I think it's over a period of nine years that you can be in this program, but you learn the processes and everything. And ideally, your company's going to grow within that nine years uh, to when you can great basically graduate from being an A A company, and then you can just be whether it's a small business, whatever it is, um, and go after uh, contracts on your own or team with other team partners to to try to win business as well. Yeah, and set aside status is. I think a, a hot topic in the contracting world, in my opinion, they should come about naturally. So I, I think it would be rather you know unethical for small businesses to hire just so they achieve a certain set-aside status. But it is definitely something that small businesses should be aware of because if they do happen to have a certain set-aside status that they aren't already using, 
you know, they're already at a disadvantage there. Right. So most definitely, most definitely, definitely agree with that as well. So, and I would also say, um, I guess another thing they can do as far as strategy to overcome the barriers is really, um, we're probably going to get this in the next segment as well, but uh, go to the Small Business Administration, their local office, because then you can, they can show them the process on, on how they should respond to these bids or go through the process of, you know, here's what RFPs typically look like. You know, here's kind of the language to look for. Here's the different sections of the RFP. Here's how you should try to respond to the RFP. Like they have workshops in place for companies that aren't familiar with the process. You can go through and you can go through those workshops and you can kind of learn the tricks of the trade on how to respond to these RFPs in a timely manner uh, with a quality response so you can actually get a really good look and have an opportunity to win, win contracts. Yeah, I honestly haven't attended any of those workshops i think you know our our sort of workshop is at at least our as far as our company goes is actually you know getting involved with the business development side of things and volunteering to you know write towards a contract but definitely you know just exposing yourself to the process in one way or another whether it be just blindly submitting an rfp and seeing what happens or attending these workshops or reaching out to, to already established companies, I think is definitely a great idea. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, I've attended the workshops before. Obviously, you know, we had a little more, you know, a little more of a, a background as far as writing those RFPs. But, you know, seeing those other businesses that are out there that really they had no idea about how the process was. So I thought it was really good. They really, you know, the Swans administration here in Ohio, they really broke it down you know, as far as the different steps and like, you know, here's what you need to know. And like first this and that, and like you had, they really had like steps, you know, one through 10, like here's what you need to do going through the process and everything. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to see, like have someone out there that those small businesses can go to and really, you know, ask any questions they want and not feel like they're doing something wrong or feeling like, you know, inferior in any kind of way. Cause you know, that's what, that's what the workshops are there for. Therefore, so they can gain knowledge and everything like that and learn about the process and then be more knowledgeable for the next time around. And you can always, even after the workshop's over, you can always still reach out and contact them, the Small Business Administration, your local office, whatnot. And they'll, there will be someone there to answer answer your questions. Or if they can't answer it, they'll find someone to answer the question for you, for sure. And they're definitely willing to help. Yeah, definitely makes sense. I love that you both discussed winning bids and specifically how small businesses can achieve this. I think it's important to tie together the challenges we've discussed, how to overcome these challenges and win bids, and touch on the next step for these small businesses once the contract is secured. Terrell, I'll start our last question with you. How can small businesses navigate the complex procurement process, navigate the often changing regulations, and maintain a successful working relationship with government agencies once a contract has been secured? And what are some best practices and common pitfalls to avoid? I mean, I guess once you, I feel like once you've, you know, gotten that contract, you're there with your client and everything, you just want to prove that you bring you know, quality work to the table, you know, you can go through and, and show that, you know, you're professional, your organization's professional. Um, you're trying to put the best foot forward for your client. You're there in every way for your client. And you want to show that you have the work to back up what you're bringing to the table and what you basically put in your proposal and you can do what you said you're going to do. Um, 
and I think that's that's probably most important starting off. Uh, I know, especially in the in the NCR, uh, National Capital Region, there's kind of a, a stigma that contractors are just money grabbers, or it's kind of like even kind of sleazy or whatnot. At least from what I've from what I've seen and what I've heard uh, out there, and I think you just have to kind of figure out a way to get rid of that stigma. Show them that, you know, you're, you're there, you're working hard, your company's legit, your company brings that quality work to the table. And I think you just have to show them, show them you can do it and show them that you're definitely capable. And if you do that, you know, a lot of times they'll give you opportunities, they'll expand upon your particular contract or they give you opportunities for other contractors or they'll recommend you to someone else. So word of mouth is great <laughs> in the, in the, um, you know, in the DOD world, you know, if, if someone else knows you can do, you have certain, um, capabilities then they'll reach out to you and or whatnot or you can get set up with meetings and you can show them exactly what you're what you're capable of and you've already backed it up with your client and they put in a good word for you so that that's always you know a good thing for sure um as far as that in my opinion yeah yeah and speaking to sort of proving your credibility with the client there are usually mechanisms in place to sort of prove yourself, whether it be monthly or quarterly, with standard products such as status reports or something along those lines of a summary of your work during that time period. And I, I think one thing that we've learned over the last couple of years is that these monthly status reports that at least we often, you know, we send out is that we do it on obviously a, a continual continual basis, but we're consistent with it when we send it out. It's very detailed and we make sure that everything is documented regarding what we did for that month um, or for that quarter for the client. So I think staying consistent with standard products that are defined during your work order is key. And also making sure that they are very detailed just so that your client knows that you're actually putting in the work and you're putting in the thought to keep everything organized for them, for them to review. Yeah. And I would say um, kind of going back to the original question, as far as being able to navigate the complicated process or navigating the often changing regulations, like I said before, you know, uh, speaking with your small business administration, that, that's one way to go about it. Um, another way is to find a, a company that's a, a, could be kind of a mentoring company um, or, you know, under a company that's willing to kind of you know, take you on as a mentee so you can really learn the ropes, learn the process. I mean, I know we, we did that, you know, previously as far as that, and we've, we've learned a lot from from that company that assisted us uh, in doing that. And I, I believe that there's many companies out there that are willing to do that. They're willing to pass on that knowledge uh, to help to help out uh, those those newer companies trying to get their foot in the door. Um, so I, mean, I think that's that's definitely, you know, that's definitely a way to view those changing regulations or procurement processes. Also going out to sam.gov, you know, a lot of times a lot of the information is already out there as well. So I would definitely get familiar with that. Uh, that's going to be probably one of the main places you're, you're going to want to go to see the information, what you need to do to register and everything like that, uh, just to even be eligible. And um, I'll go through that process. So I think those are some of the most important things. Yeah. One one thing I'd probably add is this, obviously this is cliche, but making sure you, you build a good relationship with not only your client, but 
your contracting office representative as well. Obviously, as we learned, we can't really choose who our core is, but you do have to work with them and have some resemblance of a good relationship because they are the ones that actually get you paid. And if for some reason you might not have the best relationship with them, you better have a good relationship with your client because they'll be the ones to go to and essentially go to bat for you regarding, you know, the core and making sure that your company actually gets paid. Most definitely. And that's what these businesses are all trying to do, trying to go out there and get paid. So yeah. <laughs> keep that good relationship is definitely, definitely important. I agree with you 100% there. Thank you, Terrell and Devin, for discussing how to navigate the challenges of managing a small business in the federal market and providing in-depth, insightful answers. Thank you for joining us, and don't forget to tune in next time. Thank you for joining us at the Country Intelligence Report. Please be sure to like and subscribe. And for more in-depth analysis, visit www.countryintel.com. You can also reach out to us at the same handle via your favorite social media platform at Country Intel.